0: This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Teagan Taylor.
1: And I'm physician and journalist, Dr Norman Swan. It's Wednesday the 12th of May, 2021.
0: And Norman, we're working off some pretty preliminary information, but it sounds like yesterday uh, someone in Victoria has returned a positive result for COVID after doing their hotel quarantine in South Australia. And it's sort of been this thing where they they left hotel quarantine and four days later they got symptoms and have then tested positive. So what do you think we're looking at? Is it another hotel quarantine leak? Or could it be a really long incubation period?
1: First of all, we've got to go on what uh, the Victorian government's Saying. So Brett Sutton's saying that he thinks that this is from a leak in hotel quarantine. That's the assumption. And there was somebody who was positive on the same floor uh, in reasonable proximity to this man who, just to remind us, he came into South Australia, quarantined in South Australia. And then uh, as soon as he was free of quarantine, comes to Victoria and develops symptoms, tested and then positive with a sort of gap of about what looks like four days or so, four or five days. So what could be happening here? One is that if it's conventional, then it is a leak from hotel quarantine. He's caught it towards the end of his hotel quarantine period. Isn't that ironic? Coming from India, and he's appearing with this in the prescribed space of time, which is six, eight days afterwards, after the infection. So that would not require too much reinvention of what we know already. However, we do know that the viruses, if let's assume the virus is either the British or the Indian variant. We don't know that yet. But both those viruses are highly contagious. And there's also some evidence, it's controversial, but there is some evidence that the incubation period, at least of the Kent variant, that's the British virus, is a bit longer and could be up to 13 days. And really what we mean by longer is that when you looked at the Wuhan version of the virus, it was a very small percentage, tiny, tiny percentage of people who were positive after day 14. And even then they weren't very infectious. With this variant of the virus, the British variant, it looks as though about 5% of people can be positive after about day 13. So he could have had it earlier. He might have even come into hotel quarantine with it himself, tested negative, false negative results because he was actually infected. Late incubation period, and it turns up late in Victoria.
0: It does seem like a more simple explanation is that he's caught in a hotel quarantine, which, like you say, is ironic and really not good enough.
1: No, and you know, at the same week as the Centers for Disease Control and WHO at long last uh, admits to the significance of aerosol spread, and um, this is just how it gets about, and it's just very easy in a non purpose built environment. So yet again, we have a lot of disruption based on a failure of hotel quarantine. That's the assumption here. But it still could be that he came into the quarantine with the infection, false negative, false negative, and he's one of those late people. But it doesn't quite tie in with that sort of story.
0: When we we have to mention the idea that there could be longer incubation periods before, and when we have that conversation, there's always sort of people going, oh my gosh, should we be quarantining people for longer? There's got to be a limit to how long we quarantine people for, or there's got to be a better way of seeing if we can find these rare outliers that have a longer incubation.
1: And some jurisdictions have gone to 21 days because they are worried about longer incubation periods. Hong Kong has done that in the past. So some people are responding to this in that way, thinking that it could be that. Or we simply have compulsory testing after people come out of quarantine so that on maybe day 16, you have another
0: test. So what's the challenge now for contact tracers?
1: Well, it's the same as in New South Wales with the man who appeared with the COVID-19 and, you know, and you know, good on him. He came forward and was tested and found to be positive. Then you've got to trace it back. So... The tracing back to this man won't be as much of a mystery. He's almost certainly caught it in hotel quarantine. We could speculate about long incubation period, but it's going to turn out to be a hotel quarantine leak, almost certainly. And so we know where it's coming from. It's probably direct. So there's no intermediary there, unlike New South Wales, where we don't know where the intermediaries are. And now it's simply a case of contact tracing the people who he came in contact with from when he left hotel quarantine to when he tested positive and was isolated. And the news yesterday from Victoria was that the close contacts of uh, this man have already tested negative.
0: Although they could test positive down the track still, I I suppose.
1: That's right. So they will be quarantined. And the ideal situation here is if they do turn positive, it's while they're being isolated.
0: And one of the other things that Brett Sutton said in the press conference yesterday was just the importance of getting tested if you've got symptoms at all, any symptoms. He was saying that only 25% of people with symptoms are getting tested these days. And Emily's actually written in saying that very point. Emily says, I'm seeing a bit of what I call testing fatigue among people I know who are constantly getting sick with head colds. Emily's asking, once we're all vaccinated, can we stop being tested every time we have a sore throat or a runny nose? Or do we have to wait for booster shots? Or is it just here to stay?
1: It is here to stay, it was testing here to stay? Well, I think it's not all or nothing. So when you're personally vaccinated, you can still catch Covid. So I think until seventy, eighty, ninety percent of the community is immunised, testing will still prevail because you could still have COVID circulating and we could have a bad outbreak. So, you know, we get to 50% of the community immunised. We can't relax because the 50% are still vulnerable and probably about 20% of people who've had the vaccine are still vulnerable to getting infection, even though they've got the vaccine. They won't get seriously ill, but they'll still get infected. So it's here for the next year, at least, um, the sort of testing regime.
0: So we've talked a lot about COVID vaccines, and yesterday we were talking a lot about influenza, that other virus that we know about, and serendipitously, it looks like there's a drug company that's looking to combine a flu and coronavirus vaccine, and early results seem to, seem to show it could be quite effective.
1: Yeah, this is what's called preclinical studies before it gets into humans. This is the Novavax vaccine, which we've actually ordered 50 million doses of. And it could actually turn out to be a seriously good vaccine. Yet to get the completion of the results of their phase three trial and therefore approval. But we could start seeing Novavax coming into the country August, September, October of this year. It's, It's unclear exactly when it would start arriving. So the technology here is that this is a protein-based vaccine, which means that you inject the spike protein directly into the body, attached to a chemical that's designed to stimulate the immune system, called an adjuvant. And, uh, and, and in fact, that's what the UQ vaccine was, a protein-based vaccine. Now, what Novavax has done, and they spoke about it when I interviewed them on 7.30 last year, is that they are producing a vaccine that combines influenza, with COVID-19. And this preclinical study shows that it does actually seem to provide protective antibodies. That's great news, because then you could have a single vaccine that's variant-adjusted, uh, or it's called multivalent, that covers you for your flu this year, as well as your coronavirus for this year. You'll probably need a 2 short regime, but you won't need to get the flu shot separately.
0: That's pretty cool. Is it new technology from the flu side of things or is it mixing the coronavirus vaccine with the existing flu shot technology?
1: With the flu, it's a very good question. It will be the whole virus, I imagine, uh, with the, just the spike protein of the coronavirus uh, is how I imagine it happens. They combine that together and attach it to this this nanomolecular adjuvant, which they reckon produces a very strong immune response.
0: So just staying with flu, we were talking about flu yesterday in detail and a couple of people have written in, including Francis, who says it's worth pointing out that in addition to lower levels of flu, we've also had lower levels of shingles. RSV, gastro, and more since CoronaCast, uh, since coronavirus rather. And Francis says it's just a reminder of how important hand hygiene and social distancing is for keeping us all well, even when COVID is a thing of the past.
1: And I'd be interested to know where you got those statistics from because th- these are not all reportable diseases, but that's great.
0: And Andrew says Andrew's got a question about that, saying since we've been so isolated, we've been personally socially distanced, as well as the country having its borders pretty much closed. What do you think is going going to happen when our borders open up, when things go back to normal-ish, have our immune systems been not as strong due to less external stimuli?
1: That's almost certainly not the case. Our immune systems are really trained in the first year of life and uh, fairly robust after that in terms of how we adapt. And if they're not well trained in the first year of life, it's not so much we're incompetent at dealing with viruses later. It's more to do with allergy uh, in the first year of life and to do with foods and and baby foods. So we've tended to protect babies against peanuts and egg and milk. And what we know now is we've actually got to flood babies with those things early in life, not be tentative about them, and that will reduce the chances of an abnormal allergic response to things like peanuts later in life. That's more the issue there, is that our immune systems will be easily awakened to these new infections. It may be with influenza, because one of the best protections against influenza is actually an influenza infection. You don't want to have it if you don't need it. But if you haven't had influenza immunisation, And you go through this, you could be more exposed to a serious influenza infection because you're not quite as steel belted.
0: You mentioned kids and we heard yesterday that the Federal, uh, the Food and Drug Administration in the US has now um, approved Pfizer, the Pfizer vaccine for kids aged 12 to 15.
1: Yes, and I hope the TGA is on its bike and doing the same thing uh, in Australia and approving that. There's plenty of data now and they could easily do that. And that means that 12-year-olds and upwards get immunised later on this year as the age groups keep on coming down who are eligible for, uh, for Pfizer because it's only when we actually get particularly high school kids and older covered that we're actually you know, heading to achieve um, herd immunity. We can't do it just with adults.
0: Right, because even though they might not get as sick as older age groups, they can still spread it.
1: And they can spread it, we've covered this in CoronaCast before, they can spread it to the same extent as adults. And there's even recent research on the last few days showing the extent to which asymptomatic people spread the virus to the same extent or very similar extent to people who are symptomatic.
0: And one last question from Lynn. She's had her first shot of AstraZeneca. She had no side effects except for maybe feeling a bit tired for the first few days. She's wondering, does that mean that the vaccine isn't working as well?
1: No, there's, certainly the side effects that you get are the signs of an activated immune system. But because you didn't get them or didn't notice them doesn't mean you haven't got an immune response and you've got the second dose to go as well. The Pfizer gives you a very effective coverage, for example, and we know that the first Pfizer dose gives you almost no side effects whatsoever. It's the second dose, and yet... 12 days after the first Pfizer dose, you're getting very good protection against infection, as you are indeed with Astra to a slightly lesser extent. So I don't think it's got a strong correlation with immunity. It's just one of the signs that you you have it. And if you got a bit tired, you probably did get an immune, you know, that is a sign of an immune response as well.
0: Well, that's good news for Lynn. And that's all we've got time for today.
1: If you want to ask a question, please keep them coming in. They're fabulous questions. Go to abc.net.au slash coronacast. Click on Ask a Question, mention Coronacast, and we will hear some of your questions tomorrow. See you then.